Hi everyone, uh, Dave here. Thanks for coming along for another episode of Legends of the Spire. Great to have you with us. This is the podcast that speaks to the former players and managers of Chesterfield Football Club about their careers in the sport. And I also sometimes speak to the supporters too, and that's what I'm doing this week. And it was actually my first supporters panel that I've had on this week. So I spoke to uh, to five uh, female Chesterfield fans about their experiences of uh, being a fan of the club. Now, this all came on the back of uh, a rather unsavoury experiences of uh, Alicia, who speaks on the podcast um, just in a little bit, uh, about being in the pub before the uh, Notts County game a few weeks ago. Uh, now, obviously, with football, uh, it has a way of mirroring uh, attitudes in general society. So I think this is something uh, really important uh, to talk about. And Alicia, Stella, Ruth, Katie and Megan uh, spoke really well about their experiences on social media and also travelling to matches, being there before, during and after the games. Um, So it was really interesting and hopefully some food for thought uh, for all of the fan base out there and everyone who's listening. As always, I am at Spire Legends on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Legends of the Spire on Facebook, so do get in touch. Uh, But I hope you enjoy this uh, today. It was really great to speak to them. Uh, We had, as well as talking about the the issues that they faced um, as a supporter, we also spoke about some of those great matches as well and some of the highs and lows of being a supporter over the last few years, so always good fun. Uh, So here we are with our supporters panel this week. Enjoy. My first question, as like a uh, starter for 10, is like your history of being a supporter. So like first first memory of a match, uh, what, which is your like Chesterfield era that you started with? So I'll, I'll go around as, as clockwise, I have it on my screen. So Stella, I'm going to pick on you first. When did it start for you? We... we moved here in 2008 and Paul suggested we went to Saltergate for one match. Um, it was against Brentford, all teams, looking at where they are now. Um, we lost 1-0, and I think the only memorable thing was two very frightened children as uh, everyone was on their feet, baying for a red card as Jamie Lowry was uh, badly injured. Uh, was that the one where he was shunted into the uh, into the wing stand? That was exactly that. that one, right in front of us. And, uh, yeah everybody on their feet baying for this red card and two terrified children. So it took us a while to go back again. And um, it wasn't until we moved to the new ground and he said, I fancy going looking at the new ground. Should we go and watch a match? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. And um, we were 3-0 down at 18 minutes in, 4-1 down at half time, And then by 5-4, I'd already had that moment that I thought, oops, I think I found my team. <laughs> And then, of course, it was that epic crew 5-5, at which point I completely lost it. (laughs) No voice left, saw hands and realised that that was it. I'd got a club for life. Good old Craig Clay. Good old Craig Clay. I've actually told him it's his fault. (laughs) (laughs) To his face. It's funny the things these footballers have to take responsibility for, isn't it? (laughs) Years, years of woe and a few little years of, of pleasure in between the, all of the years of woe. It's the usual way it goes, isn't it? So, Megan, what about you? Um, well, I, for as long as I can remember, really, my mum and dad uh, used to run SIFA, the, the, the Fans Association, when I was growing up. 
so I was always sort of on the periphery of that and sort of the, the token child the cute one that is going to get involved and then when I was nine so it had been around the 2007-8 season I thought I'm a bit fed up of being on the on the edges of this and I think that was the season I had a half season ticket and then I've had one ever since um followed them home and away nice who was your who was your like favorite player back in the day then from those gotta be Jack hasn't it always yeah, I suppose it hasn't it. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I chased him through the car park once because I had a, a a shirt that I wanted him to sign, and um, and it was on those where he had nothing to lean on, and he was like, "Oh, we'll just use Drew Talbot's car," and he <laughs> kind of leaned on Drew Talbot's Land Rover, I think, to sign my shirt. I, at the first match, at the first proper match at the the new stadium, I walked out as mascot, hand in hand with Jack. That's like my the big the big thing when when we uh, when we moved to the new ground. I was, I was a child then. <laughs> I keep I keep sending him messages on various different platforms. He's not putting the injunction up against me yet, but it probably won't be long because I've tried him on LinkedIn. I've tried him at his Sheffield United email address. I've tried him in other places. I've tried to get Tommy Lee to get him to come on. I've tried to get other people to get him to come on. And they're all like, no, he'll not do it. He'll not do it. But I keep trying one day. You never know. Fingers crossed. Uh, who should go to next? Ruth, how about yourself? Uh, um... Well, I started when I was in sixth form back in the 90s. My best friend from school, Catherine, used to go with her dad and I tagged along for a game. And yeah, we used to go to the games. There was a group of three or four girls with her dad. And I remember queuing most of the night for the 1997 Cup final and semi-final, I should say. And when we went off to university at the age of 18, we used to come home for the weekend. We'd know which weekend town we're playing at home and would meet upon the terrace and arrange our arrangements for the evening out that evening and unfortunately I never moved back to Chesterfield and it was nice to have a link with my hometown so I've always been a spireite even though I haven't lived there since the age of 18 so I go to a lot of the southern matches now because it's easier for me to get to but yeah so it's nice to see the odd one out in a different area as well isn't it if you move away like the only Chesterfield fan within. <laughs> and I I regularly wear my my woolen beanie hat and my scarf just as general warm wear. And people always mistake it because it begins with CH and they can't read. And they're like, well, who's Chesterfield? And I educate them and they can see I'm from Chesterfield. And I've actually met a couple of people in my town who are actually Chesterfield supporters randomly, which is always fun. So... <laughs> spirits okay katie you're next so i had an unfortunate series of events for my first two or three games i, I don't know what order these happened in but i was at saltergate for the bradford fire disaster and then i was at saltergate for hillsborough and whoever thought after that this girl needs to keep going to football <laughs> i don't know because that just seems crazy to me um i think maybe my first game at saltergate though was the cast of EastEnders versus Chesterfield taxi drivers. <laughs> that does sound like it might be made up, but I do have a programme for it somewhere. It really did happen, I promise. <laughs> and then the playoff final in 1990. My dad came home from work one day and said to my brother that he'd got him a ticket and my brother didn't want to go. So I said, oh, I'll go. And that was it. Can you watch Homes Under the Hammer? Because I asked that to Lee Rogers and he said that he can still watch it. No, no, every time. <laughs> every time you did us. And I didn't even see it because it, it being Wembley, there was a post in the way. So I didn't even really see the goal properly. 
Oh, not a bad thing, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Lizzie, yourself? Um, so I don't really remember my first games because my dad insisted I started going from three years old. Um, so he, firstly, my mum grew up a Sheffield Wednesday supporter, but he soon converted her and now she goes to all the away games with me and Katie. Um, so they started taking me from really, really young, so I obviously don't remember it. My overwhelming memory from my early games isn't actually the football. It's the fact that my favourite player was David Reeves and he used to come and have a chat to us. Before. I don't know what this was based on because I was four or five. Um, but he used to come and have a chat to us before the game. Um, and I had like a little signed photograph of him that I wrote in my five-year-old handwriting in silver sparkly pen that this was my favourite football player. <laughs> um, but I can't say I really remember the actual football. Uh, and then I didn't go for a few years um, and then remember the Wembley Johnston's Paint Trophy when I was 12. And I think that got me into following it all again. Um, but I really got into going to the away games in the last sort of season or two uh but yeah i d i have limited memory of the actual football matches from the early days because i was so young but it's always been a part of my life even though i don't actually live in chesterfield and never have it's, it comes from my family and my dad so yeah i even have family in america now that are still avid supporters <laughs> so yeah we've spread out a little bit but all of us are still Chesterfield fans. Bordering up. That's Thompson's header. Is that a high boot from Bowden? Play goes on, and Westcar is through. He's got his second one on one opportunity. This time, no mistake. Chesterfield have won the Johnston's Pence Trophy. So, yeah. so what about your recent memories then of the last of the last few years? Shall we go to I'll go the other way around this time. So Felicity, if you want to start. Like what's it what's it been like in the last it's obviously been a bit up and down, isn't it? And you're going to a few away games and stuff. What's it been like? Um so suppose for me, I really, really start I started work actually working at the club when I was 19, so four years ago. So I maybe have a different experience because I was sort of working for home games but also watching sort of sneaking away to watch as much as I possibly could um and I I think there's been a, a massive turnaround really hasn't there I remember it, just before Covid it being quite a difficult atmosphere at work and then the last year has just been great and that's when I've really I've gone to almost every away game in the last sort of this in this last year and I've really fell in love with the club again not that I ever wasn't a spyrite but I think it's been a great year hasn't it really apart from with the ups and downs um since the trust took over and things um I think my overwhelming memories this season I think we've got to bring up Chelsea haven't we um, it's one of those memories that I'd, no one really cared about the result by the end did we no one cared that we lost 5-1 it was just that that moment 
Uh, and Katie's going to get sad in a minute because she had COVID, for, she had tickets, but had COVID and couldn't go. Um, and yeah, it was just amazing. And then in terms of league games, I really remember, I think I'll always remember the atmosphere at Stockport away until Jeff King got sent off. Mm. <laughs> and with everyone loves Danny Webb, don't they? And the fact that he was in charge and we were winning 2-0. Um, I think I'll... I think last season and this season is this. I'll remember it in 20 years. If you ask me about it, I'll still have great memories. I think it's been a really good feeling in general. So Katie, tell us about missing out on games. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So missing the Chelsea game was um, not great. I went down, I actually broke COVID rules and went down in my mask to wave the coaches off and just stood and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. It was horrible. Um, came back, watched the game on TV. Um, and I'm not really sure why, but our TV was a tiny little bit behind. But Liam Norcliffe's tweets were just a tiny bit in front of the TV. So I knew that we'd scored before we'd scored. So that gave me a little minute to, you know, steal myself and prepare for it. Um, but yeah, I wasn't happy at missing that. Um, that's husband's fault. Well, actually, husband went to Mansfield a few days earlier and then came back with COVID. So mm. obviously their fault. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, aside missing Chelsea, I, I had a bit of a hiatus until last season because, you know, children, life, etc., etc. So m- my last season of really attending heavily would have been the Luke Beckett seasons. Uh, so obviously that was one club crisis and then I joined in again at the next club crisis. So I missed all of the in-between years, certainly going to games because of babies and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then for no real reason at all, just decided last season that I was going to go to Aldershot away by myself on the coach. And that was it. And same as Alicia last season, I've missed, I think I missed five last season um, away. Home's more tricky because I work there too. So um, I don't count them as having attended. I count them as having attended. I know you do, yeah, I, I don't. If you've not seen kickoff and the final whistle, then you haven't been. You see the TVs. Mm, yeah, when they're working. <laughs> uh, Ruth, how about yourself? Any happy, happy match memories? Um. My best match memory would be the 1997 semi-cup final at Old Trafford. The elation of the, we were ahead and then it was a decided goal and then we equalised. That was fantastic. All the girls were together. It was great. Um, Like some of the other girls, I wasn't going to regular matches after I was married. I was working in the NHS doing shifts and you can guarantee whenever there was a game, I would be working. When we were first married, we lived next door to Leighton Orient and I walked literally by the away terrace. We walked out of my back door into the away terrace to the amusement of the local stewards because obviously I was a local resident. That was quite amusing going to before they built upgraded the Leighton Orient Stadium. Um, I changed my job about four years ago, so I don't do shifts anymore. So I've got my weekends back and I decided I was going to start going to football again about four years ago. And yeah, I before that I'd been to the occasional Boreham Wood and Barnet game, but now I'm going to more 
games, especially in the South, there's a London Spyrite supporters group that are quite happy for me to tag along, which is great. And social media has just opened up my football life. You know, checking the scores on Twitter and checking the forums. It's it's great. Yeah. So yeah. good luck. It's 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 almost a different experience to obviously I'm probably a little bit older than some of the girls here. Um from when I was going in my early tw- late teens, early twenties with social media, it has, you know, everyone you've got podcasts. It's a different experience now, which is great. You can chat about the game before it happens and consider who's playing, who's injured. Yeah. I do miss teletext um, though. To get it going round page one, page two, and they have to wait till it comes round to page one again to see if you've scored. So you just had like scolding teletext. I do remember in the nineties <laughs> we nearly got promoted or nearly made the playoffs, and I went to Skegness with my friend Kim, and we had to basically check the scores in the newspapers the next day. So we were there trying to find the scores in the Sunday newspapers to find out whether we'd made. I can't remember if we would. And we missed out by one point. We lost the game. So we didn't actually either make the playoff or we didn't get promoted. And I can't It would have been about 95, 96 then. I, yeah. But I remember us not knowing the score until the day after. That seems mad now. It's done it. They don't know how, how good the game yeah. nowadays. <laughs> um, so, Megan, how about um, yourself? I think I can actually remember Teletext, believe it or not. <laughs> but, yeah, I think social media has definitely changed the the way you you view the game almost and the the, the Liam Norcliffe tweets when when my stream's slightly behind they have to be muted <laughs> because I can't cope with them being spoiled that I, when we, you were just talking then about memories of matches is sort of uh, not to put a downer on it but the thing that stands out to me in the last season was um not not going to the match but listening to the commentary when when the cabby had his his horrific injury and just knowing that that, that was the kiss of death for, for that for that that match that that not the season of course but uh, that's that's the one that sticks in my head but if you're looking for more positives it is the JPT it's the infamous the Jack uh, game against uh, Rotherham and all of those things and you think actually we have had a bit of a turbulent few years but the, the there are amazing memories and hopefully a lot more to come hopefully it's all looking up Stella how about how about yourself yeah, um, like uh, Megan um, Lowe's, um, yeah, I remember exactly what I was doing when I heard the 1866 commentary and Bron was trying not to say how badly injured Cabby was, but it was obvious from what he wasn't saying that that was it, he was done for the season. Um, but uh, the highs are um, the 2012 JPT final especially as that was the one that I had a little voice from the back of the car went, can I go and watch Chesterfield again? <laughs> and I knew that was it. I was going to get to watch matches regularly from that point in. Even watching Scunthorpe beat us 4-1 the following week didn't put him off. That's it. But um, yeah, um, absolutely loved the Chelsea match and loved the draw that this house went absolutely mental when uh, David Seaman pulled us out of that bag. Mm. But uh, yeah, I've started going away a lot more in the last season or so. I did my first ever alone away match because the boy couldn't with me, come with me, and I went to uh, Stockport away. Loved that, absolutely loved it. Like Alicia, until Kingy got himself sent off. Yeah. But um, yeah, I used that as a bit of a preparation. The boys going to uni next month, and uh, 
yeah, it'd be, I need to still be having, getting used to going on my own. Well, it'll be a very rare defeat for Chesterfield this season. They'll have to take what they can from it. Shimanga wants to get the shot away here. Good save, but it must be, it is! Asante! And that's the biggest roar of the evening. 6,000 Spyrites going absolutely potty. So, so we've established that you're all uh, full-on Chesterfield uh, super fans in terms of uh, your kind of your history of the club and and last few seasons and everything like that. So this has kind of all happened this podcast because of the negative side that has, that has kind of come from it. So. I think it's probably, Alicia, do you want to start? Yeah, okay. So I'd like to preface with the fact that generally, so my group of who I go to football with is more often than not women only. So I go with my mum and Katie. Um, And honestly, as a general rule, it's good. Like, obviously I work, work at the club as well. So I know a lot of people and I generally feel really welcome and I, talk to lots of people and I don't feel any different from any other fan which is obviously as it should be um not in particular just felt like a really bad atmosphere I don't know whether it's because it's so local people were there drinking all day or there's a lot of people in one place I don't really know but we were at the pub me Katie my mum Tom and my mum's partner for a couple of hours and it was a particularly negative atmosphere I think I think there was a lot of chanting of that chant that we all hate <laughs> um and there was some cat calling of random girls walking past and I was already feeling a little bit uncomfortable with all that um and then there was a moment of we were looking for a table and I said oh there's oh we can sit over there and this random lad shouted across to me like oh you can sit here like some like in a sort of sexual way and that was uncomfortable and then just as we were leaving my mum and Katie had already left and Tom and I were a bit behind them and they stopped Tom and for some reason oh talking about um he was wearing an old shirt from relegation year and they sort of quizzed him on that and I sort of completely offhand went um oh he's only wearing that because he hasn't washed his new one and immediately that started it and they didn't talk to me at any point they were all talking to Tom about me so after I said that they turned to Tom and went oh well she should be washing that and I think I said something like oh we could do his own washing and again, they ignored me and kept talking to Tom um, about how I should be doing that. And then I think the comment that made me the most uncomfortable was, you need to sort her out, which I don't know how anyone else interprets that. But to me, the idea of sorting someone out is bordering on sort of violent language um, or at least aggressive language. Um, and then... I didn't really know what to say, to be honest, because they were talking as if I wasn't there. Uh, and I don't think Tom knew what to say either. And then they got to, oh, well, you know what life stands for and went washing, ironing. And at that point is when I cut them off because I didn't know, want to know what F meant. I think we can all guess. Um, 
And I just said, oh, we're leaving now and sort of pulled Tom away. Um, and I think what was more, almost more impactful to me than the words was the fact that it was only really one of them saying it, but the whole table thought it was so funny. <laughs> And I was so uncomfortable and the fact that it was it was just a joke and I they may have thought it was that but it was really uncomfortable for me and I think it's it goes further than it being just banter doesn't it it feeds into a sort of larger thing of it being normalized to say things like that um and it just it put a I wouldn't say it ruined my day or anything like that. The match was great, et cetera, et cetera. Most people are great. But it just sort of put a bit of a damper on the day, I suppose. And then Tom tweeted about it. I probably wouldn't have said anything because of the concern of me saying something and then there'd be more sexist abuse at me speaking out. So I didn't say anything. And then Tom did and it just, it just blew up, I guess. And it turns out that from that experience, I heard so many more stories from both that day and in general, which proved to me that the problem's deeper than we know, but potentially people don't say anything about it. They just brush it off. So I think the fact Tom made that tweet and then I spoke to a lot of people about it actually drew some attention to the issue. And I heard so many more stories. And yeah, I think maybe some good has come of it because we're talking about it, but yeah. Anyone else got anything they want to say on the back of that rather than to go around? Uh, Megan? The, the, like what Alicia's just said about um, all of the, all of it was directed at, at Tom, not at her. And sort of, I think I, I've become so thick skinned to it, having grown up around it, that I've just got a quick answer for whatever is thrown at me. And normally to be, and it, I like, I should stress, it is a minority. But normally that will, you'll get a laugh out of out of the blokes or the blokes around them and a, and a fair enough or you get, you get the further comment of, oh, she's got a gob on her. <laughs> or, but the, the one that sort of sticks with me, I think it is a recurring theme of uh, Chelsea and I won't repeat the comment because it was lewd. Um, and I, I can't remember what I said, but I was obviously, I said something uh, cocky back, a bit of, not cocky is not the right word, a bit, you know, giving them banter back if that's what we're calling it and the bloke um, my dad's turned around and said you know what what are you doing and the bloke recognized my dad and went oh is she is she your daughter yeah mate I'm ever so sorry I wouldn't have spoken to her like that if if I knew so I, I again said excuse me <laughs> you didn't say it to him you said it to me if you're sorry you're sorry to me at which point he walked away and you just think all, all of like all of my adulthood I'm just used to just giving it back and you know joking back is that the right thing to do because is it just not encouraging the behavior but is it glossing over the behavior but it was it was the apologizing to my dad and it was the realization as well that as I go to more matches without my dad and people don't realize who my dad is more of it I get so actually I've been sheltered because people respect my dad, not because they respect me. Yeah, I was going that, to say, that, I, I've had little problem sitting where I do in the, as I'm in the East Stand in the family section. So I've been shielded from it. it it's more noticeable at away matches. Um, but yeah, it's more it, noticeable that you need to step in sometimes. And actually, it's good if it's their mates reining them in, but it's quite often somebody else that has to do it. 
Um, I had a bit of an incident at the first Johnson's Paint Trophy. Um, guy was a bit drunk and was commenting on my clothing. And I've got two young children there and he's not giving up. Um, I'm steaming, not saying anything because the children are there. So he wasn't getting the usual banter or getting told where to go. And my husband had to turn around to him and say, mate, she's not happy. Leave it. I advise you to leave it. Both the kids are watching. Don't get her to the point that she says something to you. And in the end, his mates actually went, mate, just leave it. As he started to try and apologise, just leave it. Stop there. Um, and that diffused the situation without me having to go in with the banter or telling somebody where to go. Ruth, were you uh, want to say something? Um, I was going to say maybe I've been very lucky that I haven't personally experienced any lewd banter, shall we call it. Um, I do get funny looks when I discuss my plans with friends. Oh, you're going to... I'm travelling for the weekend on my own. And once, once Chesterfield got relegated down to non-league, I didn't know there was a non-league period, but a pyramid. And I discovered there's lots of lower league games that happen in the pyramid. So I go to some of my little local matches that are about this level of Matlock Town or Stave of Mine as well for that sort of level, step six and step three. And I've never, ever had a problem. They, they don't segregate. There's no, they're there to watch the football. You go to a bigger game where you have to segregate the fans. And I go to a lot of more away matches than home matches. I've only been to the Technique three or four times, but I've probably been to Barnet more. Um, yeah, and it's a day out on the beer and it's the beer talking. And, but they don't seem to direct it at me, thankfully. Or maybe I've just been lucky. I don't know. And social media is vile, shall we say. Um, I don't put my name Ruth on my social media because if I'm talking about football, I will get shouted down if they think they're talking to a woman. So I have a very generic handle. I might use my initials or another name entirely. And I shouldn't have to do that because I'm not prepared for someone to shout me down where it's obvious they'll respect me if they think I'm male, which is bizarre. bizarre. And maybe the younger girls are better at standing up for themselves. I don't want to enter into it on social media. I don't say, I don't call them out on it. So by the way, I am female X, Y, Z. Maybe I haven't got the confidence of these younger girls that are here, unfortunately, but should have been necessary though. It. You shouldn't need confidence or I otherwise. Know, exactly. <laughs> I'm it the way I am because mm. I have to hold my own, and <laughs> yeah. that's just the way. Probably part personality, but part of the way I grew up around it. Absolutely itching to be on that away terrace when they start singing that particular chant, <laughs> and I, they're never within actually a shot of me for me to say, call them out on them, to mm. call them out. Because that's, you're always going to get a little bit of banter and swearing, which probably doesn't bother me, but there's that one that does, and I'm, I'm just itching to get my hands on whoever starts that particular chant. And then I'd be say about, this, about the younger girls calling it out is I think, mm. I think it perhaps is becoming a thing like that we can talk about. Sexism is something that's being generally discussed more in society for sort of my generation. It's less brushed off. But at the same time, I felt really anxious about it being as I did. I didn't expect 
Tom to be so public and me to talk to so many people. And actually, when I at the last home game and the last away game, so Barnet and then Altering game, I was really, really anxious that someone would say something to me because it was so big. Uh, but I actually nothing happened. And I, I think that's the start of it is for us to talk about it more. Um it's quite difficult, but I think that's the way we change it, isn't it? It's just not very easy sometimes. <laughs> especially if I'm traveling on my own I my husband is not a spyrite I got into a couple of the women's games over the summer the the starting and the Wembley final which he thought was fantastic and atmosphere in the crowd was totally different you didn't get any of that because it was two-thirds female and children families which was great and it was great and the difference between that and a man's match male male footballers match What's the correct term now? <laughs> it is really different. We went to a few of the Euros matches, didn't we, Katie? And it is quite different. Yeah, it's much more of a family atmosphere and you, mm-hmm. you don't ever feel unsafe or mm. like anything might happen because it's just it's just families and people just having a nice time. Silly and- things, like remember it was really hot during the Euros and I was really conscious of what I wear to football matches yeah. just because I don't want to be objectified I suppose but the women's football matches I was like oh it's really hot I'm going to wear my shorts yeah it's a different environment yeah yeah it absolutely is yeah but you know like you say you shouldn't you shouldn't have to think about what you're going to wear like sometimes I go to games straight from work when it's an evening game so I wear what I wear for work and it wasn't really until Alicia ever said to me about oh you're wearing, wearing a dress for the football like you're brave I was like well it's my it's my clothes I'd never really thought about, you know, wearing a skirt or a dress or whatever and what anyone might say. And as it is, nobody actually has said anything. Um, but on, so on the day of on the Knox County game, when Alicia had said to me what's happened, I was I was a bit like, oh, yeah, you know, that happens. If Graham had a pound for every time he was told to sort me out, we'd be absolutely minted by now. But then the next day, reflecting on it, I thought if if. I, uh, Alicia's age, had have turned around and started saying to people, actually, no, that's not okay. It, it might not still be happening now for people Alicia's age. And hopefully that generation standing up and standing up for themselves will mean that their daughters and their daughters won't have to go through the same thing. And if it takes a little bit of nastiness now almost then maybe that's just what's got to happen so that it can get better so what are your kind of hopes then for for this season and how things can change off the pitch and how things are going to go on the pitch who wants to start i'd like nicer toilets for women (laughs) (laughs) it's ridiculous but (laughs) for example the old older shot away last season there was mm. one portolo that was for all of the away fans, no, no male and female toilets. Yeah. And of course, the guys had had a pint or several and had weed all over the sea. And then the women were expected to sit on that. And we, I, I was like, 
No, I'll just wait till we get to the services at the end of the day. Like Thank you so much. Such a minute point, that, but it's so irritating. It they have like one deal. women's cubicle for every like 10 men's cubicle, as if like, oh, women aren't expected to be the there. Way. So <laughs> we don't yeah. need to be there. Yeah. I had a, well, argument, not quite the right word, a, a disagreement with two stewards at Aldershot because they would not allow me to use the actual women's toilet because it was in the home end. Yeah, and it resulted in that. Well, the, the the gates shut. The gates shut. I thought, well, the gates not even knee high. So at this point, I've stepped over it and I'm going. Um, and on the way back out, he stopped me to say, "You won't be allowed to do that again." And I was like, "Well, if I need another way, I will be doing that again." Yeah, you know, that's actually a problem at our ground. You know, when we put the away fans on the little east, and then we segregate uh-huh. the east and the little east. There's no women's toilet. It's actually a problem at our ground, and it happened the other day. That sounds really minute, though. I it, I think it's similar to the fact that I have a BMI bonnet about the fact that our club shop do not sell women's shirts. No, and they don't it's fit things, anybody. It? it sounds ridiculous. I have to. I had to buy a child shirt. I am twenty three. I had to buy I the age fourteen shirt because otherwise I'm wearing a dress. <laughs> <laughs> all of my all of my tops are kids. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they are cheaper, so there's that silver lining. That's the benefit. But just See, the fact that it's like, oh, women aren't going to buy football shirts. We don't need to stop women's shirts. I have the opposite problem. I'm <laughs> a little larger than you, so I need either a double XL or an XL because I'm not a slim, young, fit man. I'm an old woman with, and I'm a bit I've got lumps and bumps. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it sounds so silly, but it's that like accessibility thing. It's just like women aren't included. So we don't need shirts and we don't need toilets. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd say more sort of seriously. <laughs> I think that, I honestly think the first step in making everything better is awareness. And I think the fact that we're even having this conversation um. I think the prop the the major problem I've noticed with everything is that it's it's just banter and therefore it's innocuous and it's irrelevant and it doesn't actually harm anybody. But I I think it's that awareness that it feeds into a wider social problem and a wider problem in football and sport in general. And it's not funny. And even if you don't mean it to hurt anybody, it normalizes it. And then if saying, if making sexist remarks in a jokey way is okay, then what's the next step that's okay? It it becomes a wider problem then, doesn't it? And I think the first step in overcoming that is just us talking like this and the fact that I've spoken to so many women since this happened. Um, and I think it's a cross-club issue um so since our tweet went so public I've spoken to her game two advocates from multiple clubs in fact Katie and I are going to meet the her game two advocates from Oldham before the game on Saturday they asked to meet me and I'm featuring in their blog and stuff and it's that sort of it's a bigger problem than just football we support different teams but we can come together and tackle this problem as a wider thing I've spoken to some her game two advocates from Sheffield Wednesday which isn't I suppose a bigger club but we've it, it's a social issue that's maybe magnetized a little bit in football because it's quite a male-dominated space and it the first step is talking about it and people calling it out and not just sort of brushing it under the carpet of oh this happens it happens all the time 
Um, and clubs taking a stand is a big thing. And I think Chesterfield are quite good at it. They've made a statement. I've spoken to them. It, and I think that's that's a big thing is because if you, it comes from your club, people are maybe going to listen rather than some random girl on the internet saying about it. So, yeah, I think they're the first steps, I'd say. 